Thank you for tuning in into the New Life Church Downtown Podcast. If you would like to get connected, follow us on Instagram at NLC Downtown Little Rock or email us at downtown.podcast at newlifechurch.tv. Good morning. It's good to see you guys too. Good morning. Uh, welcome to church. Uh, I got a question for you. Ha- have you ever wanted to hear from God? Anybody? Just me? Anybody? You ever wanted to hear from God? Um, I believe that we can hear from God. I believe that, that God speaks. Um, but I feel like there are some things that keep us from hearing from God. And so this morning, we're, we're going to be talking about that a little bit. But can we talk about prayer for a second? You talk about prayer for a second. Uh, I, I believe that prayer is the place where we talk to God and God also speaks to us. Um, it's one of the places that God speaks, but w- whenever you talk about theology, you have to talk about language. Everybody say language. Because the study of God, which is theology, is actually really, it's a study of language. Because how can you understand God if you don't know how to talk about God, right? And so what I've found is that there's three different types of primary language. There's emotional language, which is like the language that uh, my daughter uses, right? So it's da, da, you know, ma, I mean, it's just, it's just this gibberish most of the time, right? But she's trying to communicate with us, and we've got this connectivity. Uh, you know, you also use emotional language when you're dating, right? It's like you can't even fully express how you feel, but you're just trying to tell them how much you love them, and in marriage too, right? Husbands, we're still pursuing our wives, amen? Just like when we were dating. Um, Second type of language, so first is emotional language. Second type is uh, descriptive language. So for Georgia, once she starts being able to say, I want that cup, right? That's descriptive language. And then you have motivational language. This is the language of uh, politicians and news media, right? They're trying to motivate you. They're trying to get you to do things. And I find a lot of times in church, we primarily use uh, the, the, the second type and the third type. So that's informative language and motivational language. And I think that that seeps into our prayers sometimes. Do you ever feel like you don't know the right thing to pray? Do you guys ever feel like that? I, I believe that God wants us to pray our feelings. Now, feelings make great servants, but they make terrible masters. Okay, write that down. We're going to come back to that here in a little bit. But go with me to Psalm 30. This isn't on the screen. Psalm 130. Psalm 130, verse 1. I just want you to notice, this is for free. This isn't a part of my message. But this was just on my heart while we were worshiping earlier. Psalm, Psalm 30, verse 1. It says, from the depths of despair. It's emotion. From the depths of despair, O Lord, I call for your help. Hear my cry, O Lord. Pay attention to my prayer. Lord, if you kept a record of wrongs of our sins, O Lord, who could ever survive but you offer forgiveness that we might learn to fear you? I'm counting on the Lord. Yes, I'm counting on him. And it jumps down. It says, oh, Israel, that's the people of God. Hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is unfailing love. His redemption overflows. He himself will redeem Israel from every kind of sin. I I don't have time to get into the whole passage, but what I want you to notice when you read the Psalms is how often the psalmists use emotive language. Even sometimes, we were talking about this earlier, even sometimes they use the wrong language. 
Are you ever afraid to say the wrong thing to God? It's not the wrong thing if that's how you really feel. Now, you can't go live like that, but you can talk to God like that. And so we're going to take a moment here and just pray. Can we do that? We're just going to pray. There's a couple of prayer requests up on the screen. You can join me in praying for those. But I just want you guys to pray right where you're at and to seek God together. Can we do that? Okay, let's do that. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you're with us. God, I just pray over every situation that's represented in this room. God, we pray for the member of our church that wants to receive relief from stress. God, we thank you that the scripture described Jesus as the Prince of Peace. And so, God, we pray for that person together right now. Anybody else who's just dealing with stress, God, we pray that your peace would flood in. God, we pray for the member asking for wisdoms, wisdom on decisions coming up for their family. God, I pray that you'd lead them with your peace. God, we thank you that you promise if we need wisdom, we just need to ask for it. So, God, I pray for anybody in here who needs wisdom in their life. God, just that simple prayer of help me. God, I pray that you'd do that. And God, we praise you for the member of our church who this week was praying for a job. And then 30 minutes after our Wednesday prayer meeting, got a job offer just out of the blue. So God, we thank you for that. God, we, we trust that you are our provider. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Everybody breathe in and breathe out. Does your breath stink? I bet it does in that mask. That is the worst part of the masks. But we, we appreciate you guys wearing them. I don't want to go back in the hole, right, where we can't go to church. And so uh, thank you guys for, for doing that. So, okay, go with me. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. We've been in Romans for the past couple of weeks. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, if you'll throw that up there on the screen for me. Boom. Let's read this together. And it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he'll find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. You know, we talked about this a few weeks. I'm going to give you guys a quick review, and then we're going to get into the message. We talked about this a few weeks ago. What's the problem with a living sacrifice? It likes to crawl off the altar. And so that's, that's the problem with us in life. You remember the hymn where the, the guy who wrote it said, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Y'all, God's called us to bring our whole life. And so that's what it's talking about here. It's not saying part of our life, our whole life. This is truly the way to worship him. Go to the next verse, verse two. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you. Everybody say transform you into a new person by changing the way you what? think. Then you'll learn to know what God's will is for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that you speak to us through it. God, I pray that this morning you'd speak to us, Jesus, right where we're at. It's in your name we pray. And everybody said, come on, everybody said, amen. Uh, I skipped another verse. Can I read it? <laughs> it's pretty important because it's my source text for this morning. <laughs> Romans 12, verse 9 and 10, it's short. It says, don't pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what's wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. That's going to be our source text for today. Uh, and we're going to jump into it. So James, I'll see you in about 15 minutes. All right, it's a date. See you then. 
Uh, you guys remember elementary school? Anybody in here in elementary school? Elementary school students, anybody? Okay, I see you. Come on, wave, wave your hands. It's okay to wave in church. Any of you guys? What grade are y'all in? What grade are you in? First grade. That's elementary school. I love it. What about y'all in the back? We got any first graders, kindergartners? Second grade. I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. Uh, I remember when I was in elementary school, I know none of your kids struggle with this. Kids, I know you don't struggle with this. I had low self-awareness. Uh, and I remember in fourth grade, uh, I, had, I made a discovery in class, and that's that I could make this noise. Uh, and uh, I thought it was just in my head. And so I was sitting there in Miss Cole's literature class in fourth grade just going, uh, like literally as loud as I could make the noise. And she goes, Bronson. And I was shocked that she could hear me, right? Uh, I, I didn't know how much noise I was making. And something I've learned about life is that when you don't have good relationships around you, sometimes you have blind spots, right? And good relationships do two things. They, they complement you, right? They bring good things out of you. And they also show you areas where you're getting weird. Uh, the truth is with church and with uh, our relationship with God, it's not, just us and God. it's not just me and God, it's us and God, right? It's not just me and God, it's us and God. Because if it's just you and God, you are going to be a weird Christian. It's guaranteed. And so that's why God created us for relationship. I want to read a quote to you from C.S. Lewis. Uh, it's in his book called The Four Loves. He said, friendship arises out of mere companionship. That means moving from being acquaintances to being friends. When two or more of the companions discover they have in common some insider interest or even taste, like food, things like that, which others do not share, which until that moment, each believed to be his own unique treasure, like something that's important to you, or burden. It could be something you struggle with. A typical expression of opening friendship would be something like this. What? You too? I thought I was the only one. You know, the, the truth is, Romans 12 cannot be lived at a distance. Romans 12 can't be lived at a distance. And right now, we've got to be physically distanced, right? We're working on that. But we can't be relationally distant. I think this is something that's been so difficult as a church, because how can you love someone with genuine affection and take delight in honoring them if there's no relationship, right? How can we live out the gospel if we don't have real close relationships? Uh, the Westminster Catechism says the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Don't you love that? The chief end of man, our chief purpose is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And I would add to that to do good to our neighbor, bring glory to God and be good to our neighbor, love God and love people. But the only way we can do that is if we're in relationships. And so I believe there's three things we can pull from our text today uh, that are going to teach us about love. Number one, real love takes effort. Everybody say effort. Come on, everybody say effort. Number two, real love has standards. Say standards with a little sass. Say standards. Okay, real love has standards. Number three, real love is secure. Everybody say secure. So real love takes effort. Real love has standards. And real love is secure. Number one, real love takes effort. Romans 12 Nine, we'll call this 9A, it says, don't pretend to love others, really love them. Think about that. Don't pretend to love others, 
really love them. Have you ever had a relationship with somebody who just grates on your soul? <laughs> right, kids? You guys have anybody like that at school? Like they just kind of annoy you. They just kind of bother you. And so what do you do? You just say, you, you tell them the truth, right? If we're not supposed to pretend, then the way that the Bible would have us do it is say, listen, I just don't like you, right? And this relationship is just not going to work out. Is that the biblical way to do it? Kids? Yes? <laughs> no, we can't just go around saying, you know what, you bother me. I don't want to be in a relationship with you. But he's also saying, don't pretend. Here's what pretending looks like. It looks like you're talking to someone, you're being polite and warm. Oh, brother, sister, good to see you. I'm so glad that you're here. And then when they walk away, you're like, I can't stand that person. The way they smack their gum, you know, the way they always have opinions on things. That's being fake. That's being phony. And, you know, we have to be careful in church not to develop a culture where we're fake, phony, and insincere. So how are we supposed to do this? How are we supposed to, like, literally, think about that. How are you supposed to interact with someone that you do not like, but yet not pretend to love them? I think it's a, a difficult thing to do, and I don't think under our own strength we can actually do it. Because think about this. When God found you, how lovely were you? How likable were you? But God lowered himself, Jesus lowered himself, and he loved us at our worst, and he gave us his best. So how does that impact our relationships? Y'all, we have to have effort in our relationships. Like, it's not enough just to be nice to someone. That's the escalation of Christianity, right? God didn't call us just to be nice to people. He called us to love people. If we keep going in Romans, he actually says to love your enemies. Let's just take a moment and think about that. Think about it. It's hard to love someone you don't like, much less someone who you hate. Think about the world we're in today. Oh. Oh. <laughs> think about Facebook. Facebook is everybody letting everybody else know who they don't like. I wonder if that's godly. I wonder if that's how God would instruct us to do it. I wonder if that fits within this beautiful picture of community. Is that honoring? Is that loving? And you might say, Pastor, that's ridiculous. That's so difficult. You're right, it is difficult. But it's the free gift of grace. And that's divine love. That's the way God loves. Yo, the, the world. Jesus said the world will know us by our love. But the world won't know us by our love if we love like the world does. The world loves those who agree with them. The world does the water cooler gossip where you meet somebody and you're nice to them. And then when you get back, I remember I used to be in sales. <laughs> You get back in the office, you're like, I can't stand that person. They're the worst salesman in the whole business, right? But the boss loves them, you know. That's how that goes. But Paul's warning us as a church. He's saying, don't pretend. Don't be phony. Really love them. Because God loved us at our worst, right? So we can love other people in the same place. So number one, real love takes effort. Number two, real love has standards. Real love has standards. Romans 12, 9, the second part of the verse, it says, hate 
what is wrong. That word hate, when you look in the Greek, it literally means to be horrified by. Be horrified by what's wrong. Another translation says by what's evil. Hold tightly to what is good. In the Greek, that hold tightly literally means to glue yourself inseparably to goodness. Okay, listen to me. Anything that has value has a standard. Anything that has value has a standard. I got, I got a photo I want you guys to see that I took this week. Ooh, little one. That's my, my, my two treasures. That's my bride, Callie, and our baby girl, Miss Georgia. And she is eating goldfish, and she loves them, just like her da. That's what she calls me, da, 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 da. Uh, I, I have immense value for Georgia. So therefore I have standards for Georgia. Okay. So Georgia loves, uh, her, her favorite things to do are to play with her da, of course. And then her second favorite thing to do is to crawl into the room where we keep the cat's litter and the cat's food and try to eat anything that she can get into her mouth. Right. You know, anything that has value has a standard. So that means that because I value Georgia, I'm not going to let her eat the cat's poop. Can I say that? Is that a bad word? Parents? I'm being serious. Give me some feedback here. Is that bad? No. Okay. That's an okay word. I'm not going to let her eat the cat's poo-poo <laughs> uh, because it's going to make her sick no matter how bad she might want to do it. I'm going to give her goldfish. All right. We just got into chicken nuggets. She loves those. Loves strawberries and banana. We're going to try to give her good things to eat because listen to me, y'all. If we want the strength of God, does anybody want God's strength? Come on, raise your hand in here if you want the strength of God. If we want God's strength, we've got to embrace God's standards. If we want God's strength, we've got to embrace God's standards. So why does Paul put this here in a text that's about relationships and love? You know, I think it's because when we love someone, we often let things go that we shouldn't. When we have an emotional connection to somebody, sometimes that's the hardest time to tell somebody the truth. One writer put it this way. He said, our vision of good and evil gets distorted when it comes to that person that we have deep emotion for. We see it in dating relationships, right? Anybody dated somebody way too long while everybody around them was like, run. You're like, but I love them. <laughs> but they're killing you, but I love them. Stay in these dating relationships. You see it with parents and kids, right? Y'all, my least favorite thing to do is to drag Georgia out of the cat's room, kicking and screaming, <laughs> trying to get after the litter box, and smack her little hand and say, no, ma'am. Yeah, yucky, you know, because she freaks out and she screams, and I hate seeing her scream and cry. But what I want more than just her being happy is I want her to be healthy. Y'all, the, the problem is when it comes to our loved ones, often we want them to be happy instead of healthy. But healthy is greater than happy, amen? Because where God is most pleased, where we find God, remember verse one, it said God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. Where God is most pleased, we're gonna be the most fulfilled. It doesn't mean it's gonna be the easiest path, but it's gonna be the most fulfilling path. Uh, okay, I got a story for you. Um, when I was in high school, I was in choir, all right, so before you go judging me, choir was cool at my school, all right? Uh, I played sports too. Uh, but I was in the choir with my buddies, and we were back on the back row, and uh, there was a stink that day. <laughs> Somebody on the risers smelled bad. And us being high school boys, we pinpointed 
just said person. And we're like, oh, gosh, stinks, you know, making faces behind him, whatever. And uh, our buddy Seth, he was late, as high school boys tend to be for class. And so he kind of runs in, pops up on the risers, and immediately goes, oh, God, <laughs> what's that smell? And we're like, it's him, be quiet. <laughs> and the guy who stunk, stinkiest guy I'd ever smelled in school, just that day, wouldn't always smell him. He turns around and he goes, well, it's not me because somebody told me earlier I smell like cotton candy. And Seth goes, well, you don't, <laughs> all right? <laughs> Y'all, who was loving to that guy? The one who told him, told him he smelled like cotton candy? <laughs> or the guy who had to lovingly say, well, you don't. <laughs> you smell like doo-doo, right? I want to read a quote to you. It says, God's love, or God's law, reveals the way in which our world and our souls were designed. So God's law, the standards God puts in place, reveals the way our world and our souls were designed. To disobey God's law is always bad. Listen to me. It's always bad. It's always bad for the beloved. That's us. Therefore, real love is concerned about the what? Concerned about what? The truth. Any love that is afraid to confront, let this hit you. Any love that's afraid to confront the beloved is not really love, but is a selfish desire to be loved. Any love that's afraid to confront is not really love, it's a selfish desire to be loved. We want them to be happy because it makes us feel good, right? Here's what I found. Real love that says the hard thing can actually deepen a relationship, not destroy it. But y'all, the people that we love the most, sometimes those are the hardest people to hold the standard with. Why? Because of how we feel. But what did we say earlier? <laughs> Feelings are great servants, but they're terrible masters. That's why God gave us the scripture. That's why we have an authority in our life of the scripture. Why? Okay, anybody who says that they have no authority in their life, they make their own decisions, what you're really saying is you're letting your emotions lead you. We've all got an authority in our life, whether we recognize it or not. And God gave us the scripture, and the scripture says that at his hand, at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. He designed us. He knows the best way for us to live, and it's not always easy. And when we're in relationship with people, it's our job to point them back to it. This is the second part of that quote. It says, true love, on the other hand, is willing to confront even to lose the beloved in the short run if there's a chance at helping him or her. Y'all, it, it's not unloving to tell someone when they head off a cliff. It's not unloving to tell someone they stink when they stink, right? Y'all, as a church, we've got to be willing to do this. This has been a big struggle for me at times. It's hurt my leadership. It's hurt my teams. Well, Callie and I, you know, it's a commitment that we've made. I, I have a buddy of mine, he's a pastor, and he told this to me one time. He said, if, if I find out that someone saw something off in me and didn't tell me, it makes me question our whole relationship. He said, because if they loved me, why didn't they tell me it was hurting me? Real love takes effort, right? So number one, Real love takes effort. Number two, real love has standards. And number three, real love is secure. Real love is secure. Uh, 
the number one thing that I hear as a pastor, people who tell me, like, the struggle in their relationship with God is that they're insecure when it comes to reading the Word. Has anybody ever been there? Could you be honest? You can raise your hand. I've been there all the time. It doesn't make, I read this. This book is thousands of years old, written across thousands of years to different cultures and different languages. It gets confusing, right? But insecurity is the enemy of intimacy. Insecurity is the enemy of intimacy. Uh, here in a second, we're going to see a, a clip from my pastor. His name is Rick Bazette. And we're working on some things. We, we've got some plans for things. But I, I believe God wants us to be secure in our relationships first with him. And that includes his word. And so I want you to watch this video for my pastor uh, with some of the stuff. I'm so pumped that we've got planned for this fall. Hey, New Life Church. I told you last week I was going to share with you about vision. Vision for the fall. We always do that about right now. And so I'm going to take a little bit of time and explain it to you, and I hope that you will jump in with us. I'm begging that you will. Here's the problem. The pandemic, this season, it's been difficult. Some of our campus pastors recently got together. In fact, we all did. And we started discussing the fall. How can we do small groups and life groups and mentor people and get into the word together and just lead the church? It's complicated. But we remembered several years ago we did the year of the Bible. It was the best year we ever had with discipleship and growing in the Lord. The relational side of our church was off the charts because we were all reading the same portion of Scripture every day and then we were speaking about it in life groups and on the weekend, and we've never forgotten that. We almost did it again this year. So we decided, what if we could do that in the last part of this year since it's kind of complicated out there? Well, we really can't. You can't read the whole Bible in a, in a half a year. Some can, but a lot of people can't do that. So we decided to take the red ink, the life of Christ, we decided to take what Jesus was saying and to start there. So I went out and got one of our staff members who, in my opinion, is the best Bible teacher in the world. I'm, I'm not kidding. I would never say that, but it's true. The strongest that I know. His name is Mark Turnage. And when he teaches the word, I'm, I'm blown away because there's so much I still have to learn. And so we've asked him to teach three minutes a day on video where he breaks down the portion of Scripture that we are reading. He teaches it to us, and then we can teach it at our small group. We can teach it to our family. We can just learn from watching the videos. And then on the weekends, all the campus pastors will teach from the portion of Scripture that you just read or the portion of scripture that you're about to read, which means we're going to all be getting fed together. It's a great way to live right now. So we're not asking you to lead necessarily. We just want you to learn with your family. During this season, maybe there's another family who's come over to your home a lot. You're confident to be around them without your mask or whatever it might be. This would be good. This would be a great place to start to get them to get in the Word with you. And we're going to grow. There's a lot more details about it, but I wanted to unfold that to you now because these are strange times and we need the Word desperately. So that was our primary objective, and I thank God 
that he showed us what to do. Amen. Uh, y'all, God wants us close. So, so what does this have to do with relationships? Y'all, we don't just want you to learn the word in a vacuum. We want you to be able to practice it within relationships. And so we've been racking our brains this year for about five months. I wonder if you can figure out why. <laughs> what does discipleship look like in a pandemic world? It looks like friends talking about the word together, families talking about God around a meal. It looks like people reaching their neighbors. I know this is brilliant. It took us five months to come up with a plan. That's the ABCs of how to exercise your faith. Love your neighbor. Take care of your families. Be a good friend. But here's what I'm excited about for you guys and for me. The guy, Mark Turnage, who's going to be teaching this, he's got his master's and his PhD. He got him in Israel. Y'all, people paid this man to walk them around Israel and help them understand the world of the Bible. Y'all, this guy's next level, brilliant, and I'm telling you, this is going to be launching in mid-September. And here's my heart for you as your pastor. My heart for you is not just that you watch the videos in the morning, but that you have someone every week that you talk about it with. Somebody, y'all, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying, hey, I'm going to build a leadership team and these people are going to go do it. Let's just be Christians, right? Let's just talk about the word together. Find your neighbor. Say, hey, join me in looking at these videos. Maybe they know Jesus. Maybe they don't. Might be a chance for you to share your faith. But y'all, I'm excited. I think this is going to be a time where we can grow like never before. And my heart is that you get security when it comes to the word of God. Why? Because insecurity is the enemy of intimacy. And guys, listen to me. God wants you close. God wants to speak to you. Do you want to hear God's voice? You're going to have to quiet down. Because with my daughter, my favorite times with her are not when I'm yelling, stay out of the cat litter. Listen to me. My favorite times with her are when she crawls up in my lap and we're learning and we're playing with things. Y'all, the scripture talks about God as our father. He doesn't want to yell over the noise. He wants to get close. The scripture talks about how God is often in the whisper. Look at this out of 1 Kings 19. It's a very familiar passage. Maybe you've heard it. God said to Elijah, go and stand before me on the mountain. And Elijah stood there and the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and he went out and he stood at the entrance of the cave and a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? God is in the whisper. 
And I think one of the biggest struggles for us as a culture is we never slow down enough. Y'all, for me as a pastor, I was just talking to somebody before church about this. I spent four years of ministry at a breakneck pace, meeting with people from, my first meeting was usually 6.30, my last meeting wasn't usually done until 10. I routinely put in 100-hour weeks. This is not a brag, this is shame. (laughs) How am I as a pastor supposed to talk about leading a life with God, hearing from God, when I'm running at a pace where I could never? And so we've started shifting that this year because we had to, right? And I've realized it's in the quiet moments. Y'all, God's been speaking to me more than he has in years. So how does God speak? I'm gonna close with this and then we're gonna go back through. How does God speak? God speaks primarily through his word. You can't say God is silent when your Bible's closed. Can't say God's not speaking when your Bible's closed. He's spoken to us and we get to spend a lifetime reading and learning. It's amazing. Number two, God speaks through wise counsel. The friend that you make bad decisions with is not the wise counsel that I'm talking about. Look for somebody who's rooted in the word, somebody who loves God. A wise man has a multitude of counselors. Number three, God speaks through impressions in your spirit. You're just gonna sense things. But listen to me, this is where people get off and they get really weird. You've got to take that impression, take it to wise counsel. God told me I was going to marry this person and then you don't get married. What happened? (laughs) You liked the way they looked and you wanted to marry them and you called it God. We do this a lot. So take the impression, pour it through wise counsel and take it back to the word. Because if it's rooted in the word, it's something that you can trust. Amen. So going back, real love takes effort. I wonder if there are places in your life where you need to be more honest. It might be a hard truth. It might be opening up about something that's hard to open up about about you, but that's where real love happens. Not phony, fake love, not the world's kind of love, but divine love. Y'all listen, Jesus did not come from heaven to earth and walk around in our mess, skin and bones. He didn't have to do it, but he loved us so much he did it. He didn't do all of that for this phony, fake kind of love you can get anywhere. No, God's got so much more than that for us. So real love takes effort. Number two, real love has standards. Y'all, there are places where we've got to let God speak into our life. (laughs) Don't listen to the people who tell you you smell like cotton candy all the time. (laughs) Those people don't love you. Those people like how you make them feel. Surround yourself with people who tell you the truth. And you're going to live a full life. And number three, real love is secure. God wants you to have security in your relationships. But listen, you never will if your security is based on how well you perform. This is the gospel. I'm gonna land the plane with this. The gospel is that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not come to the world 
to condemn the world, but to save the world through Jesus. What does that mean? That means that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that means that he will rush in. He talks about in Revelation that he'll come in, he'll eat at your table, he'll be with you. What does that mean? That means we get relationship with our creator who designed us, who loves us. In every bit of your life is to flow from the security of that relationship. You don't have to be ruled by your emotions. You don't have to be ruled by insecurity anymore, but you can come back to the baseline that God loved you at your worst and he still loves you. Amen. Hey guys, Pastor Bronson here. Just want to say thank you for listening in. Uh, Our hope and our prayer is that this podcast equips you on your walk, your journey with Jesus. And so please like, subscribe, share, help us spread the word. We love you.